Welcome back, everyone, to Revved Up for Sunday. We're the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. And I'm John Kennedy. And in this podcast, we take on the lectionary gospel for every Sunday. And we're up to the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, the last Sunday in August. Can you believe it? No. And we have a passage here that... Um, pretty political for people who say Jesus isn't political. Um, mm. I will have a tough time staying out of political conversation okay, on this one. We'll it. see yeah. what happens, but maybe ancient politics. We mm-hmm. could stick to the ancient world. Yes. I don't know, but we'll see. Time will tell. We never know what we're going to say on this podcast. <laughs> so buckle your seatbelts, everyone. <laughs> Let's hear the text. This is Matthew 16, 13 to 20. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone, that he was the Messiah, the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. You have a good place to start us uh, off? Just maybe situating us in the story. Yeah. I mean, we're in ordinary times. We're basically just following along sequentially in, in Matthew's gospel. So mm-hmm. um, last time we looked at um, Jesus's, I think, first dispute one of Jesus's first disputes anyway with the Pharisees uh, in, mm-hmm. in Matthew's gospel, that time about um, ritual uh, purity and an observance of the law. Jesus and his disciples are not washing their hands mm-hmm. um, and before eating. And then we have the Canaanite woman and her faith and, and the healing of her, of her child. Um, we skip over something moving from that passage or pericope to today's, which is Jesus again having a confrontation with the Pharisees, as well as the Sadducees, a different mm-hmm. religious group that, uh, despite the, their differences with the Pharisees, were united in their opposition to Jesus. So this is, things are heating up here, and, and today um, this question about who Jesus is and what is his authority and what, are, what authority do his disciples have uh, is, is very much uh, charged because uh, those who have recognized authority um, are starting to clash mm-hmm. with Jesus and his friends. Um, so just a little bit of a setup. Yeah, th- uh, that's a helpful, yeah. great setup. Yeah. So um, he goes, he takes his disciples up to the district of Caesarea Philippi. Mm-hmm. So you've set it up perfectly for what I thought I might say about that, which is that it's a long way to get to Caesarea Philippi. And I don't think you would go there unless you really want to, because it's 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. You know, most of Jesus' mission takes place around there, uh, around the Sea of Galilee and towards Jerusalem, you know, going in the other direction. But here we find him going up to the district of Caesarea Philippi. And this is a place where, um, you know, it's, it's home to uh, the kind of pantheon of gods of Baal, you know, the Canaanite 
ancient Canaanite religions. And it was a place where um, there's a there's a fountain coming or a kind of a natural spring spewing out of a cliff face there. And it, or there was in this time, and in the rock are hewn all these little niches and places for the, the pagan gods and statues and stuff. And so there was Baal for the Canaanites, and then it was, uh, and then it was Pan. It was called um, Panius at one point. Mm-hmm. And when the Syrians took over the region, the the Seleucids kind of took authority and power, and um, you know, but it was always this this center of worship of gods pagan gods mm-hmm. and uh i i know you know all this i'm just giving our readers a little context uh, readers listeners some context um and and then when the romans took over um caesarea philippi it be- took on the same caesarea philippi because herod philip son of herod the great right. was given this seat and he named it for caesar augustus and himself so here he is all enmeshed in this pagan worship and in politics with the romans and he's the jewish leader so i mean the people it's so fraught it's like such a political place and um you know there are two places and that are you know it's sort of called the gate of Hades because it's mm-hmm. this pagan religion center and the other place there's one in Greece I guess but there there are two in this ancient world and this is one of them so that's a significant thing when we get later into the passage um, and Jesus takes his disciples there and chooses to make this the place where they he asks them who yeah. do people say that I am wow. you know surrounded yeah. by this panoply of gods and the history and all that stuff yeah um, so I, d- I learned all that preparing for this podcast and feel like it changes the passage for it me. It does, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so when he, say, when he says, who do people say the son of man is, mm-hmm. he's asking something really um, pointed. He is. And, um, you know, maybe you want to talk about the son of man title. Sure, but, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, a title that Jesus applies to himself throughout the synoptic gospels. It sh- shows up in John a, a lot less, but mm-hmm. it's still there. And um, it is a, a much debated term. The meaning of it is much debated. And yet it also has very clear linkages to the Old Testament, especially mm-hmm. the book of Daniel, mm-hmm. which talks about uh, one like a son of man who is um, somehow appointed by God and, and somehow um, identified with God in a way that no other human being is, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, to be the, the judge of, of all Right. world right. and um so it already that even though jesus is asking who do people say that i am um he's already kind of it's a bit of a leading question it on is. some level yeah. the son of man is uh at least um a, a messiah adjacent yeah if not right. just straightforwardly yeah messiah i um, mean can i flesh that out a little yes, just please. like daniel yeah. 7 it's it's written in this passage that appears on the page in most bibles like a kind of versicle you know poem yeah. poetry yes. Uh, or song, and it's a passage about um, the throne, you know, the throne of God and all, and the and God sort of destroying all the beasts and um, taking away their dominion one by one. Mm-hmm. And then right. the passage says, and then one like the Son of Man approached the throne of God, mm-hmm. and and to this one is given all dominion, authority, kingdom, power. And this kingdom will have no end and so on. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's actually like the frail human being is the one who so, gets. 
So in, in some interpretation, or at least in maybe Jewish interpretation, it represents an individual and the community of, right. of Israel. That's right. sort of like the weak one that God chooses or something. Yes, so. and in, in many English translations, um, prophets are called son of man. Like you see that in Ezekiel, for oh, instance. Right. Oh, right. Uh, I think in yeah. our current that. NRSV, it says mortal, but maybe in okay. the RSV, and I think in the King James, it says son of man. Yeah. Um, so indeed, it has... Um, it's, it's got a multivalence or a multiplicity mm-hmm. of, of meanings. And he only, he calls himself son of man, but mm-hmm. nobody else calls Jesus son of man right. in these gospels. Right. Yeah, go yeah. on, sorry Yeah, it's that. his own nickname for himself. Uh, he's hoping it'll catch on. <laughs> it <laughs> doesn't. Name tag. Poor Jesus, son right? <laughs> I don't know if we would do if we got a request for that. St. Mark's going to, I have son of man on my name tag, please. Uh, but that's such a potent setup for this. I mean, Jesus yeah. really has a flair for the dramatic. Yeah. Um, bringing into this place, using this language, which, um, you know, if his disciples are versed in the scriptures, uh, which they may be to various degrees, wouldn't mm-hmm. really know because, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't actually trained rabbis. Right. But, um, but either way, it's there on the page. It's there for... I think at the, least the Matthew readers and listeners are yes, trained. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. they're not trained, but they know their scriptures all right. It's, yeah, and it's all there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this, yeah, you, you said that this is a political passage, and indeed it is, uh, although it isn't obvious when you don't have this context. But now that we right. have it... Um, I mean, for me, it's bringing to mind the fact that, unfortunately, we really can't separate religion, or at least the religion of Jesus, from politics. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice, yeah. but we can't. We'd try. Yeah. I don't think it was. It just simply wasn't separate when mm-hmm. Jesus was walking this earth. And no. in his context, nobody, nobody it was would have dreamed all of that. one thing. Yeah. Nobody had an idea of just tell no. me about how to have a relationship with God, and don't mm-hmm. bother me about politics. Nobody would even think of that. <laughs> I know. It's such a modern innovation it is yeah it is. Yeah. yeah for better and worse probably yeah. indeed yeah. yeah yeah but here i mean he's clearly i mean clearly everything for the jew was polit- politics and religion were mm-hmm. one and the same yes you really yeah. couldn't separate it so no separation yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but that yeah so how about this answer they say some say john the baptist others elijah still others jeremiah or one of the prophets um and then Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. Do you want to you tell us something about that? About uh, sure, what yeah. Peter I mean, says? Yeah, you know, uh, I guess, you know, I mean, obviously John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, prophets, these are heroes of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, people based on tradition and uh, their scriptures expected uh, Elijah to return or expected a great prophet to be raised up. Mm-hmm. That's specifically talked about in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, but basically... Uh, Jesus is just rolling through, well, the disciples are rolling through some of the things that people think that who Jesus uh, might be. Uh, John the Baptist, by this point, is already dead. Right. So uh, it would be sort of a, I don't know, because Jesus was alive before John the Baptist died. Right. So it's not really reincarnation, but some sort of soul transfer. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, <laughs> um, perhaps more important is what Peter says. And he mm-hmm. says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Um, this There's a parallel passage uh parallel passages in Mark and Luke, but um, only Matthew has Peter say, you are the son of the living God. Mm-hmm. You, know, you are the, you are the mm-hmm. Messiah is shared. You are the son of the living God is, mm-hmm. is unique to Matthew, uh, mm-hmm. which underscores, you know, Matthew's 
particular focus on Jesus as the Son of God, although it's by no means unique, right? right. It's just a matter of emphasis here. Given the setting, you know, Son of the Living exactly, God, yeah. In surrounded this, it, by all these other it's gods. It's fascinating. It really mm-hmm. is. And whereas, you know, somebody like Herod, uh, Herod Philip, all the Herods, mm-hmm. um, tried to straddle the line between, I mean, I don't think any of them were sincere about their Judaism, but nonetheless, tried to straddle the line between some sort of Jewish identity mm-hmm. and and uh, being, you know, uh, uh, simpatico with the Romans mm-hmm. or whoever happened to be in power, which was the Romans. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, Jesus is not playing any such games, making any such calculations. Um, he's just telling the truth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that all of this, all these gods and all these rulers, you know, echoing Daniel, mm-hmm. um, are nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And, uh, um, right. And Caesars were called sons of God. Yes, indeed. Right. 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 Yeah. This is all borrowed language yeah. on some level, or at least much of it is. And, mm-hmm. and bring, you know, bringers, bringers of peace, mm-hmm. prince of peace sort of language, saviors, mm-hmm. um, good news of what's the Caesar has done. Right. This is all stuff that the Christian community seized upon. Yeah. Said, actually that's forget about that. This is the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. Messiah, you know, here to say you are the Christ. Um, Christ is the, yes. gr- the yeah. Greek word for Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew version, but it, they both mean like the liberating king. Right? Yes. Yeah. So they're calling him the liberating king, the son of the living God. You know, here's the politics and religion all at once at the foot of this this cliff face covered with, with pagan gods. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, Peter's knows what he's saying and well, Jesus would say you didn't know what you were going to say because God tell you to say that. Indeed, but, yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's powerfully political and religious. It is. Stuck yeah, the Messiah was was uh, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it, as we said, there's no separation between religion and politics. But in these modern categories that we think about these things in, uh, Messiah was totally both. Mm-hmm. Um, meant to again, as you said, liberate the people of God, bringing in, bring in a new era of peace and justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there, this was a time of, of intense messianic expectation, as we've talked about a lot in this podcast, that there were many messianic movements mm-hmm. uh, during the time of Jesus, a little before, a little after. And uh, so in, in that sense, he's just one of, mm-hmm. you know, a dozen or so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But of course, what's unique is that his movement continued after yeah. he died somehow, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, again, totally unique. But anyway, mm-hmm. so so you are the Messiah, you are sort of the, the anointed one, which is, of course, yeah, what, what Messiah in, in Hebrew means and in, in Christ in, in Greek means. And um, and so Jesus is saying, you know, yeah, that that's me. You got it right, uh, Simon, of course. Um this is where Simon becomes Peter, or when he becomes Simon Peter. This, mm-hmm. Up to this point, he's just been Simon, which mm-hmm. is a Jewish name. Yeah. Peter is um, kind of like a nickname, which means rock. Um, Petros, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Sylvester Stallone is not the original Rocky. It's Peter, <laughs> Simon Peter. Um, That's great. Yeah, so Petros is is, is uh, Greek for rock, and uh, we get um, Cephas, mm-hmm. Uh, Peter's name, as as Paul calls him in, in mm-hmm. a couple places in his letters. Mm-hmm. Um, so the significance of this is you are the rock on which Jesus says he will build his church. Mm-hmm. Let's not skip over the part, though, where Jesus says, I'm sorry, I do want to come back to that, mm-hmm. but if we can just catch the next couple lines where oh, sure. yeah. Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answers him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Mm-hmm. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Um, and then we get to the, the Peter anointing. But, um, you know, he, sign, son of Jonah, uh, 
that's a that's a sideways image stuck in here. And um, I have to think that it's significant or, mm. or Matthew wouldn't put it in there. Sure. You know? Yeah. And given this setting again, um, you know, Jonah was the prophet who was sent to convert, you know, a pagan or sort of foreign land. Sure. And yeah, tell yeah. The, those people to repent or that, that God will destroy their city. Mm-hmm. And Jonah was all excited about that. He really wanted to be harsh with this, this place yeah. in Nineveh. Yeah. And, and when Nineveh relented and put, put on their sackcloth and ashes, you know, Jonah had a big depression. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. are you kidding me? Like I was ready for the big fire to come and burn this city, you know, and I, w- I would be right. You know, and P- Peter does have that kind of crusading spirit where he can't wait to really get this movement underway, yeah. you know, and he, yeah. doesn't ha- he doesn't really know what Jesus is about yet. And I think he loves the idea that Jesus is going to look up at those statues and say, you know, I'm better than all of you and mm-hmm. I'm better than the king and I'm the liberating king, you know, and here he's being validated in what he called Jesus yeah. and his idea is Messiah, the liberating king, right. you know, son of the living God. And we're going to like Elijah burn and destroy all those other right. gods right. and prophets. Yeah. Right. So I think that calling him Simon, son of Jonah Jesus is calling him out on this notion that he's kind of like this crusading. It's fascinating, yeah. Um, he's got the names right. He just doesn't have the strategy right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he's not called, you know, great is your faith or anything like that. He's just like, oh, you got the right answer. God has mm-hmm. given you, you know, this insight. Yeah. And yeah. S- one day you'll have also the understanding. Anyway, yeah. I felt that was that was worth that is. Inserting yeah, I never in thought about that. I just figured that was his dad's name, and that was. It. Yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe that's the answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good point. <laughs> no, but interesting. Yeah, go, but go on. Yeah, you yeah. were going to talk about Peter the Rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is obviously a, a profoundly significant and consequential passage in the history of Christianity. Um, it has a lot to do with uh, certainly the scriptural basis for um, what's called the primacy of Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that Peter has a unique place among the disciples um, in that he is obviously the one who, who Jesus says is the rock on which he will build his church. This passage is cited by Roman Catholics for um, their, their, you know, for the papacy, the tradition of the papacy. They say, of course, that Peter was the first pope, mm-hmm. uh, which may be a little bit of an anachronism. You know, there was no St. Peter's Square, and he didn't live mm-hmm. in the papal palace. Well, actually, the current pope doesn't live in the papal palace, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, that the, there's a tradition linking St. Peter to Rome, to leadership in, in the Church of Rome, such as it was in the time of the Apostles. Uh, so there's some linkage, certainly, to, to the leadership of Peter and the continued leadership of the Bishop of Rome, which is, of course, what the Pope is uh, in, in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- of course, you know, they read this... Um, perhaps in a rather straightforward sense that, you know, Peter is the rock on which the church is built. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so it continues. Um, I mean, the gates of Hades is, we could talk about that for a second, I suppose. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's basically an image of the power of death, mm-hmm. uh, saying that that power of death will not prevail against this church right. that is being built. I want to say yeah. Jesus was gesturing to that stone face again. Yeah. You know, this is the gate of Hades. And it was even called that. You know, it was... Was it? Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, the gods of the underworld and all uh-huh. that. And um, there are two places called the Gates of Hades. This one and the, the one in I Greece. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think it's both things, you know, the yeah. places of hell. Yeah. But all these, all these sort of underworld gods. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think there's modern, you know, pastoral 
application of, of that image, which we yeah. can perhaps return to. But but sticking with this this thread of of um, you know the, the the authority of Peter or the authority of the church and what it means for the keys of the kingdom to be given to him and and this binding and loosing stuff that we're coming into. Um, so the keys of the kingdom is is sort of a it is an Old Testament uh, image. Um, we, we get this in Isaiah chapter 22, this idea of the key of the house of David um, during the reign of Hezekiah uh, is being given to actually his um, prime minister. Um, but uh, anyway, just to say it's a biblical image for um, authority, for authority relative to uh, the house of David, which mm-hmm. is, of course, a messianic um, symbol. Uh, the Messiah is supposed to be the son of David. Jesus is called the son of David throughout um, and then, uh, so this is being given to Peter, and, and uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, so this is a, a very charged and, and potentially challenging mm-hmm. set of words here. So perhaps we should dwell on this. You know, what does it mean uh, for um, the church or Peter to have the uh, authority to, to bind and loose uh, mm-hmm. in such a way that it corresponds to what goes on in the heavenly realm. Right. I mean, this, this incredible power being given to human beings. Right. Human beings are not especially trustworthy. The mm-hmm. church, we know, has not <laughs> been especially trustworthy at so many junctures, right. including the present. Right. So what do you make of this? Well, I feel like the, given the context of Matthew and the other lessons in Matthew mm-hmm. about forgiving 70 times 7 mm-hmm. and all that, um, and what happens on earth, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, you know, there's, there's sort of correspondence between what happens here is right. happening in the unseen kingdom, yeah. um, which is here and now in reality. But so we get hung up on this being maybe a, a power suddenly given to Peter, but I read it as a caution mm. that, you know, whether you're binding each other up or releasing each other, um, you, you, you have agency and yeah. be careful how you practice that, you know, because you, you keep people out of the kingdom if you're binding them out, you know, locking them out. Yeah. And I think that all the messages from Jesus are forgive, 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 pray for your enemies, love those who persecute you. It's all in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Right. And, you know, forgiving 70 times seven is the key instruction to the way of it loosing, is, yeah. You know, binding yeah. and loosing. So um, we have parables where, uh, you know, there's the servant who's the unforgiving servant, you know, mm-hmm. who's forgiven all his major debt, and then he goes out and nickels and dimes all the people that owe him. Yeah. And so he's then shut out. Mm-hmm. And, right. And they double down on his debts. And, and the point is he chose to yeah. not participate in the loosing, you know. And I guess to me that this is more of a caution than a superpower. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, um, I think that's totally right on because later in Matthew, in chapter 23, when he is uh, critiquing very pointedly, very, very strongly, the Pharisees and the scribes and so on, um, he, sa- he says that they are locking other people out of the kingdom of heaven yeah. through their misdeeds, through their hypocrisy. Right. Um, through their better to put a millstone around your neck? Is that the passage? I don't know if that's yeah. the same passage, but it's all yeah. of a piece, most yeah. definitely. I mean, Jesus, he's so good at, at, these, um, at these jabs, at these mic drops. Uh, he, you know, he says, you, you are locking other people out and you are not going in yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. And then he walks on, on his right. way. All right, I'm going yeah. to get a snack. So, yeah, I think it absolutely is a caution. And, and yeah. back to, you know, Jesus's, 
um, confrontation, if you will, with this, uh, uh, with the depiction of all these other gods um, in this land of, of pagan rulers, um, it's not like Jesus is saying, they're nothing and I'm the real thing because I'm playing the same game as them, but I'm just doing it better. Mm-hmm. It's not the sort exactly. of bravado sort of thing. It's, it, he's, he's saying that I'm the real thing because mm-hmm. my way is totally different. Right. Stay tuned for next week because yeah. that's when we get the second half of that. Indeed. That yeah. It's, it's, it's a right different there. path. It's a different yeah. reality. It, he's representing a whole different conception of God. Right. Um, than, than any of these, it's um, a good cliffhanger. God's, people. you know, depict. Yeah, indeed. Uh, absolutely. You're, I think yeah. you're really right. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear There what. are a few interesting, um, you know, along the lines of, of what it is that we need to be cautious about. Um, there are a few different ways to interpret what what this binding and loosing can be about, um, which we've obviously begun to delve into. But um, there's a parallel verse, really, to this in John's Gospel, where he says, you know, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you mm-hmm. retain the sins of any, they are retained. So certainly there's some sense of um, this being about forgiveness of sins, mm-hmm. uh, however construed. Um, it could have something to do with exercising demons, which doesn't seem very relevant to us now, but it was very relevant in, in the world of the Gospels. Um, could have to do with, you know, um, excommunication, you know, who's in and who's out of the community, which mm-hmm. um, we've talked a lot about the Matthean community, and, and uh, there's a lot of... Uh, communal divisiveness that was experienced mm-hmm. um, and that comes up later in Matthew but perhaps the most um, compelling interpretation uh, and the most supported by what's going on within Matthew anyway is um, uh, the the uh, power or to, to teach the mm-hmm. authority to teach mm-hmm. um, Matthew presents Jesus as a new Moses a new teacher of um, the law in yeah. a way or the way of God and uh, that authority is passed on to his disciples mm-hmm at the end of the gospel, um, which would make Peter sort of like a chief rabbi here. Right. Um, but it's an incredible responsibility um, and one that really can't be taken lightly. And, I mean, I think, you know, all of us who wear, wear these need to reflect on all the time. Like, how mm-hmm. are we using this incredible right. um, responsibility mm-hmm. uh, that's been given to us to, um, you know, to teach in, yeah. in the right name of Jesus and the way of Jesus? Um, because when we you know, when we don't do it faithfully, um, we can really lock people out. Mm-hmm. You know, we never mm-hmm. want to, mm-hmm. but and in doing that, lock stumbling blocks. Out. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks. Gosh, incredible insights. I get, I get the joy of preaching on this great passage. Um, so, yeah, lots to prepare for even next week in this in this passage. So, indeed. thanks for joining us, everybody. Jesus warns them not to tell anyone he's the Messiah. At the end, I think yeah. they just simply can't possibly understand till they see the whole picture. And, um, and we all have much to understand still, but, um, thanks for joining us. Great conversation. And, uh, please share, like, and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and we'll see you in church.